Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. How much longer will justice well, hey everybody, this is Shane Claiborne. I'm so glad you could join me and listen or watch the show. Uh, many of you are listening on the radio. Some of you are listening to podcasts or on our channels. Uh, I'm, I've been trying to put out a show every week. And this week, um, I have been thinking a lot about what's happening in uh, Gaza, um, the uh, hostages that are still being held, um, the lives that have been lost. Um, and I, I want to reflect on that a little bit. Um, I've got on my desk here, my nativity scene, which I got in Bethlehem, the Bethlehem, where the sweet Savior was born. Uh, and, you know, so they say some of the olive wood um, and olive trees have roots that go back 2,000 years, these same orchards of olive trees that go all the way back to Jesus. And on um, my desk is a nativity scene made from the olive wood from some of those trees um, that it's interesting because the nativity scene that Katie and I have, there's a wall separating the Magi from being able to reach Jesus. So it's a, it's a reminder, you know, that this is um, the Holy land is also a troubled land that this is one of the most, uh, uh, sophisticated apartheid systems that we've ever seen in the world, the biggest, most um, robust wall uh, separating Israel and Palestine. And literally, you know, there's this beautiful, powerful conference called Christ at the Checkpoint that I've been able to be a part of. And over the years, I've gotten to know so many uh, folks living on both sides of that wall, um, uh, folks that are Israeli and folks that are Palestinian that have deepened my own faith and understanding of um, uh, of that region. So, um First of all, you know, I, I kind of re am reminded that Bethlehem is in the West Bank. And I'm sure many of you know that. But, uh, you know, when a lot of Christians that go visit the Holy Land, they don't cross over the border into the the occupied territories of Palestine and the West Bank. And yet that's where Jesus was born. A reminder that Jesus came to us as a brown skinned Palestinian Jewish baby refugee, uh, you know, who came from a town called Nazareth where people said nothing good could come and lived in a time where there was a lot of violence. In fact, the, the, you know, the gospel says that as Jesus was born, Herod began to massacre children. Mm. 
and the depth of that, that, you know, that, that especially as we think of this season coming up of Advent and Christmas, uh, part of what we remember is that God left all the comfort of heaven to join the struggle here on earth, to be born in the flesh, in skin, as a refugee, um, as a, a baby born in a manger because there was new, no room in the end. And and Jesus is with all of those who are suffering. So I want to, you know, kind of as we ground ourselves in Jesus today and we think about this troubled region, the escalating violence, um, uh, it's, it's so important to remember that that compassion is not a limited resource, that that love uh, can flow on both sides of the walls. Um, you know, on October 7th, the world grieved and stood in solidarity with Israel as, um, you know, so, oh, 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 some 1,200 or more lives were lost, every one of them a child of God, not just lost, but massacred, terrorized by Hamas. Um, every one of those lives lost was a child of God. Every one of those folks taken hostage uh, from that, you know, the the three years old to, uh, you know, senior citizens that have been held hostage for the last uh, over a month now, every one of those is a child of God made in the image of God. So we grieve with their families and the uncertainty of what's next. And we, we demand that those hostages be set free and that the, the violence uh, stop. Uh, so the world stood with Israel after the, the slaughter on October 7th. But in the days since, you know, we've seen this violence just escalate. Uh, we've watched the state of Israel pour out its wrath on the people of Gaza, killing, you know, uh, over a hundred children every single day is about one child every 10 minutes that's dying in Gaza. And, and you know, I think it's it's so important, uh, you know, even especially for those of us in the United States, you sort of think of this holy land of Israel. Um, I mean, it, it, as, as a such a significant place in history, and yet the, the actual land mass is the size of New Jersey. That the entire land of Israel and Palestine. And you think of uh, the, the the area of Gaza where, um, you know, o- over a, a million refugees are now uh, there, you know, fo- folks that have been displaced from their homes, they're trying to find safety. And yet this area with, uh, it's, it's um, you know, two, over 2 million people. So it's twice the size of Philadelphia, but it's the, the same landmass as the, the city of Philadelphia. And um, what, what we can all say right now is every one of those lives being lost in Gaza is a child of God made in the image of God. Every Palestinian is made in the image of God. Every Israeli made in the image of God. So if we can't start there, something's wrong, right? If we're grieving only for people on the one side of uh, one side of this conflict, or if we're seeing this like some kind of football match where we're cheering for our team and and celebrating death, something's wrong with us. So we also can say that we've got to differentiate. We've got to distinguish between the people of these 
regions and the people that are governing them, right? Collective punishment is evil. Collective punishment is evil. The the people of Israel are not as same as the the state of Israel, which is has done some really oppressive things to the Palestinian people over the past seventy years. And the people of Gaza are not the same as Hamas. In fact, half the population of Gaza are children. They're children. They're babies. And punishing them because of the brutality that we saw from Hamas on October 7th is wrong. Uh, history also matters in all this. You know, for hundreds of years, the Jewish people um, have suffered from anti-Semitism, discrimination, uh, acts of hatred. Um, uh, obviously, that culminated in um the Holocaust, but I mean, this has existed for hundreds and hundreds of years. And incidentally, you know, I, I talk about this in my book, Rethinking Life. Uh, Anti-Semitism is one of the earliest sins of institutional Christianity. We began to discriminate against Jewish people and even theology that kind of saw the Jews as the people who killed Jesus rather than the sins of the world. And and we began to, to create really uh, toxic theology um, that paved the way for the kind of massacre that we see um, during the Holocaust, but even the massacre and the hatred that we can see now. Um, I, I think of the Jewish synagogue here in Pennsylvania, the Tree of Life synagogue, that was um, um, the victim of a hate crime where, uh, you know, a, a mass shooter filled with hatred um, massacred people in the worst act of domestic terrorism targeted at Jewish people that we've seen in our country. And so you look at that, you, you think um, anti-Semitism is real and hatred is always evil. But we also are seeing um, uh, a, 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 the, that the backdrop in Gaza and Palestine is decades and decades of crushing policies that have um, controlled access to water and land, bulldozers that have came and uh, have uh, destroyed Palestinian homes to biz build Israeli settlements of um, often people that aren't even from that region. Many of them move from uh, uh, the the United States to Israel to resettle and they you know colonize this land. Um, and uh, on my trips over to the Middle East, part of what I've seen is is a cry. Uh, from people in the West Bank and, and and Palestinians, Palestinian Christians in particular, that have said, we just want to be recognized as equally human, our lives equally sacred, to have the same rights to water and to vote and to have education for our children. And Gaza has been anything but that. It's been, you know, called the the largest outdoor prison in the world i mean it, it, it it's it's a controlled space so people can't just come and go from gaza that's part of what's so difficult about this situation is we can't go there to stand in solidarity with them as we did in iraq during the bombing in the iraq war many of us went to iraq we can't get into gaza right now and people cannot easily get out of gaza um, so as we, we think of it, it, it it's been a contained unit, um, 
uh, and and uh, controlled borders and even humanitarian aid getting in there is so difficult. And so to be able to say that those lives in Gaza, they matter. These are children of God. We care about them. Um, and I don't doubt that uh, that that some of the the terrorist groups and and groups like Hamas have um, uh, tried to seek refuge in spaces that um, they can use human beings and children as a um, base and place of protection. I mean, um, and so when you're locked in the same house with folks with guns and you're locked in the same hospitals or spaces. I mean, this is uh, such a complicated situation in some ways, but in other ways, it our response doesn't need to be that complicated. We have to declare that killing children is wrong. It doesn't matter who's doing it, whether it's Hamas or Israel, when you're holding a dead baby, it just looks like terrorism because it is. And one of the great thinkers of the early church was uh, Bishop uh, Cyprian, right? He was one of the bishops of Carthage. Uh, he, um, One of the things that he said is, um, isn't it, he kind of named the paradox. He said, when, it, when an individual kills another individual, we all call it evil, as we should. But Cyprian said, but isn't it interesting that we know it's evil when an individual kills another person, but when the state does it in mass, we somehow justify it and we we sanctify it, we baptize it, we call it justice. And yet what Israel is doing is anything but justice. I mean, you can't even really call this self-defense when you're when you're killing, bombing schools and hospitals. And the church that was bombed in, in, in Gaza is one of the 10 oldest churches in Christian history. These are sacred lives and, and sacred people. This is a history there that we've, we've buried, literally. And I think of my friend Munther Isaac, who's one of the great theologians, um, uh, in you know Palestinian Christian leaders and theologians, and he was asked, you know, where is God in this war? And Munther said, God is underneath the rubble. <clears throat> God is underneath the rubble. God is with all of those who are grieving right now. And the the current violence of both Hamas and the the state of Israel, um, we need to name it as wrong and evil. Um, whether it's done by a terrorist or by the state, it's still evil to take these lives, um, and and it and it also creates the conditions for more violence. Right? It's adding fuel to an already combustible fire. As Martin Luther King said, you know, violence begets more violence. Uh, hatred begets more hatred. You don't. We 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 can't cast out. Hatred with love, we can't end violence with more violence. Uh, but violence only um, adds fuel to the fire. It's also interesting, right? You know, that as you think about, I've done a lot of teaching on the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, this sort of ancient framework for thinking about justice, right? And I think Jesus uh, gave a, a major. Uh, challenge and reframing of the eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But this idea um, uh, of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth is known as the law of retaliation, right? Lex talionis. It's where we get our concept of retaliation. And what it 
was was a, a way of thinking about justice that allowed for reciprocal harm. It allowed you to hurt someone back, but it defined that as you could only hurt them back in the same manner in which they hurt you. So literally, if someone gouged out your right eye, you could gouge out their right eye, but not their left eye, not even both their eyes, right? It was um, only in the same manner that they had harmed you. Someone broke your right leg, you could break their leg. Um, And we've kind of distorted that. And all the historians and scholars of Lex, this this law of retaliation, they say it was meant to stop the spiral of violence from perpetuating itself. So we might think of it as an eye for an eye, no more. Don't do more harm to them. You had no uh, legal right and no moral right to harm someone back more than they harmed you. And it was to stop the spiral of violence. And yet we've used it not as a limit to violence, but as a license for revenge and retaliation. So now we think, oh, they they did this to us. We're going to do it to them. We're going to do it right back. And yet even that framework, which Jesus challenges, right? Jesus says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Moses told you this, but I tell you this. And Jesus, I, I would suggest, is the fulfillment of the the law, right? He's, he himself said he wasn't coming to abolish the law. He's not coming to negate it, but he's coming to fulfill it. So what does the fulfillment of that look like? That we don't even have to hurt someone back. It might be legal for us to retaliate, but that doesn't mean it's right. The best version of justice does not emulate the wrong. I mean, our, our you know a lot of our parents taught us two wrongs don't make a right. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is teaching us. We don't rape people who rape to show that rape is wrong. And we don't have to harm people back. As scripture says, we can overcome evil with good. Come on, somebody. Uh, that we, we, uh, and yet you think even of the old ancient framework would only allow uh, the retaliation to, to have limits, right? So perhaps even if you believe in just war theory or you believe in an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, then Israel could not take more than 1,200 lives or the number of lives that were taken from them. And yet now we see over 11,000 lives that have been taken in Gaza and Palestine. We, you know, almost half of those are children, over 4,000 children's lives that have been taken I mean, we did the same thing in the United States. After we lost 3,000 lives on 9-11, we declared war. Our grief became a justification for war, and we killed tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands over the years in, in Iraq and in Afghanistan in retaliation for the violence of September 11th. And did we make the world safer? I think we made the, more, the world more fragile. We, we fueled the hatred of those who may have already hated us or been vulnerable to hatred. Like we didn't diffuse, we didn't disarm as Jesus shows us. As Martin Luther King says, no matter how much you hate me, you cannot make me hate you back. No matter what violence you use against me, I will not use violence against you. Ooh, this is the way of the gospel, y'all. And yet it is not the what we see happening right now. So there is, you know, there's this theology that matters, the, the, the idea that Jesus teaches us a different way. If we live by the sword, we will die by the sword. And we have done it over and over. We've tried the way of the sword and over and over it leads to death. Violence is a dead end road. 
love is the only way forward. And it's that love, which is not the sentimental love. We're not talking about the fluffy love. We're talking about the love that's willing to die for something, but not kill for something. That love that is willing to lay down our life for another person. So that there's also another part of this theology, right? That there's this idea out there, this eschatology, this end times theology that it's a little bit more than I can go into today, but you end up going, well, wait, this might be the apocalypse. You know, certain things have just got to happen. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. People have got to die before Jesus comes. Like Israel is God's, you know, city on a hill. Like this is you know, God's messianic force in the world. And that theology, I just want to say it today. It can be absolutely toxic, and it can lead us to violence, to lead us to try to defend and justify things that Jesus would never defend or justify. So if our theology does not look like Jesus, if it doesn't look like love, even love for our enemies, then something's wrong. There's holes in that theology, right? Uh, And... I, I like the line of uh, the powerful line of Barbara Brown Taylor. She says, the only clear line I draw these days is this. When my religion tries to come between me and my neighbor, I will choose my neighbor because Jesus never commanded me to love my religion. Jesus never commanded us, y'all, to love our theology more than our neighbors. And so if our theology just says, well, you know, 11,000 people in Gaza have to die, like 4,000 babies and children have to die. These kids on incubators in the hospital, they just have to die. Like this is um, a part of the fulfillment of prophecy that no, 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 that makes a monster out of God or it makes God impotent, right? To think like God just got to allow precious children that God made with a destiny and a plan like to die. I don't think God makes people to die. God makes people to live. I have come not that you may have um th- that you might have life and life to the fullest. This is Jesus, the way of life. Uh, so I I, I want to say that, it, that this theology of death, there's something wrong with it. There's something dark about it, something evil about it. So call it what it is, right? And let's keep coming back to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Saying that that uh you know, I, I was thinking of one of the places I went when I was in uh, Israel and Palestine is um, the Ibrahimic Mosque. And this is a, a sacred space that's shared by people of all different faiths because it's where Abraham and Sarah are buried. They're buried there, y'all. And uh, there's Jewish folks that have a synagogue there. There's Christians that go there. There's a, a mosque there. So all of this, you know, share this ancestry of Abraham and Sarah. And yet in that space, there are bullet holes in the walls of a Jewish extremist who opened fire on Muslims during prayer. I think 29 people, I believe it was, were killed in that massacre by someone whose theology led them to pick up an assault rifle and open fire on Muslims. We've seen folks that profess to be Muslim that have carried out tremendous violence thinking that God is on their side. And I want to say that this is the sad thing about it is that no one kills with more passion than someone who believes that God is on their side. Mm. No one kills with more passion than someone who believes that God is on their side. Hitler did it. He actually um, held the Bible in his hand and he said, just as, as uh, Jesus 
cleanse the temple of Jewish poison. This is his words. Hitler said, I'm cleansing the world of them. So he had this deadly, twisted theology. As one of my mentors said, all you got to do is twist the cross and you get a swastika. So people pretending to be Christians like Hitler have done horrific things. People pretending to be Christians right now are twisting the cross to justify hatred and violence, even to defend the kind of violence that we see right now. There, there are people who are saying, well, this is just God's will. Absolutely not. Not the God, the God that I see is Jesus weeping over Jerusalem because they didn't know the things that would lead for peace. And on October 7th, Hamas carried out an act of terror that did not lead to peace. Right now, the state of Israel is dropping bombs and killing families and children, and it is not the way that leads to peace. The United States is complicit. These bombs are made in the USA. They're funded by the USA. Uh, our administration and government continues to defend the, and, uh, the acts of, of, of the state of Israel. And it's so important that it's not the people of Israel, but the state of Israel that's doing these things. It's a, not the people of Gaza or, or Palestine that are doing this, but the Hamas. And so the people are suffering. The people are suffering so deeply. So let us grieve with Jesus over Jerusalem. Let us grieve with all of those who are grieving, and let us call for an end to the violence, y'all, in the name of the Prince of Peace. Uh, for those of us that are Christians, let's stand up. Let's call for a ceasefire. Let's call for the hostages to be released, for Christians to be peacemakers, because Jesus blessed the peacemakers, not the war makers. And we have ancestors. We have family on both sides of that wall. I'm not just talking about Christian lives mattering, but when you look at even the number of Christians, it's almost identical. It's like 170,000 Christians have lived in Israel and in Palestine. At one time, there were more Palestinian Christians than in, um, Christians in the state of Israel. And so uh, uh, even the folks that are don't share our faith, every one of them is made in the image of God. And so let's declare now that we are going to stand on the side of love. We are going to call for an end to this violence. We are going to grieve every life lost as if it were our own child or grandmother. So let's pray for peace and work for peace, not just in the Middle East, but in our own hearts, in our own streets, in our own lives. That's it, y'all. We're out of time. Love you, and uh, see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. But at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.